Hey, welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. I want to talk today about the idea of a personal versus impersonal God, which is not actually like phrases or verbiage that I had ever heard of before. Dad, did you guys talk about that in seminary, actually? Um, yes, because in the 80s, that's when we would use the term the source. Oh, okay. The source became big in the 80s. Oh, okay. That's kind of like a universal, impersonal yep. name for God. So I think it's a little bit of like a behind-the-scenes word, right? Like you, like the cooks in the kitchen hear it, but the people eating the food don't hear it. Right. Um, but I'm sure everybody listening is aware of it. They just don't know the – maybe they don't know the verbiage for it. Um, so my understanding of a personal, impersonal – God is one is a personal God is a God maybe who's you have an image for an idea a personality uh, maybe even a name maybe even a gender maybe even a, a historical context like someone like Jesus would be considered a personal God versus an impersonal God or an impersonal idea of God which like dad was saying is the source or um, people say the universe universal or um the divine, and more of an ethereal, energetic, God-like feeling. And my experience in alternative spiritual communities of yoga, Buddhism, New Age uh, circles often seem to be attracted and leaning towards this idea of an impersonal God. So for me, the, the benefits of impersonal God is there's a real oneness. You know, it's easy to talk with anyone of any spiritual background or practice about, you know, the divine or the universe, even an, an atheist or an agnostic or someone who doesn't believe in God at all, you can say like, you know, I had a gut feeling or my, like an instinct or, um, you know, yeah, like the universe really provided for me today. There's kind of an impersonal oneness about that, that we all experience this regardless of the name or qualities of the God that we worship or don't worship. Um, it also allows for a bigness of God. So in many traditions, the idea is that God is so big and incomprehensible that we can't possibly give God a name or qualities or a personality. Um, so keeping God in this impersonal identity really shows the magnitude of God and in a way honors that and the smallness of us and the bigness of God. Um, on the flip side, with a personal God, it often feels like maybe we're shrinking God too much. Maybe we're, uh, we tried to go with this word before, but I struggled anthropomorph. There you go. God, right? Creating instead of God creating us in his own image, we're creating God in our image, right? That's right. often the criticism that's given. Right. Um God can't possibly be shrunk into one personality or qualities or name or body. Um, because God is so big. So by trying to do that, you're actually limiting God. But I the the issue that comes up for me is that the, the most 
beneficial and important part of my spiritual practice and my spiritual journey has been my personal relationship with God. And while I can experience God winks or little moments where I feel connection with God in impersonal ways, like maybe the way the wind blows or something like that, um, my real connections, my most intense and important connections with God are really personal, like in a one-on-one conversation kind of way. And in order for me to have that relationship, I really need a personal God. Um, And so I was reading this thing that really articulated it in a way that was helpful for me. So I'm just gonna read a little bit of this. It's from Ernest Holmes and it's called, Can We Talk to God? And he says, we are thinking of God as a universal and infinite being. And in doing this, discarding the ancient idea of a huge person in the nature of the deity, We are undoubtedly losing something. We are losing the sense of personal contact with this invisible power. And we are liable to think of God only as law or as an infinite it. Now, an infinite it is a very adequate thing in certain respects. But in other respects, it is very inadequate. We could not derive much comfort, pleasure, or joy from talking to the principle of chemical affinity. So I definitely feel that for myself. And on the other hand, I also really acknowledge like the important aspect of the impersonal God. In yoga, in bhakti yoga, in the tradition, one of the traditions that I study, both of these aspects of God are included, um, but many aspects of God are really included in yoga. And so then that also brings up the question, if God is personal, if we're if we are choosing to worship and relate with a personal God, then which person is God? Hmm. You know, is God Jesus or is God someone from the yoga tradition or is God someone from the Jewish tradition or is God someone from the Muslim tradition or all these traditions, you know, ancient tribal traditions, you know, all these traditions that we don't know of are, are none of them right? Are any of them right? Are all of them right? If God is personal, then does God have a name and body and qualities and personality? Um, And does that just separate us from each other if God does have that? So I kind of wanted to talk about this in general, but then also specifically, Dad, get get your feelings from a Christian theological perspective, because as I was playing with this in my mind, obviously the Trinity in Christianity comes up because the Trinity includes all three aspects of God in this way. Yeah, um, I appreciate that whole conversation. And to look for a Christian perspective, we first have to go to our roots in Judaism. Um, and as the Jewish faith was developed, they ended up with the YHWH. Right. Um, as the almost, I mean, this is probably sacrilegious, but um, Prince ended up having a symbol for his name. Yeah. You know, the artist, the artist formerly known as Prince and yeah. then became the symbol, you know. That's kind of what YHWH was. It was a certain formation of Jewish letters that could not be pronounced. 
because they felt that God was so big that you could not pronounce God's name. Yeah. And that meant more so to a good Israelite at that point, because one of the ways to curse your enemies was to write their name on a pot and then send curses and smash that pot. Mm. Um, But if you couldn't pronounce the name, you couldn't have that power, Uh you know? So part of it was a theological understanding and part of it was a power thing that if, as there is a God, that God is so big, so much beyond our comprehension that you can't mention the name. So a good Jewish reader when they came across that symbol, would say the one who can't be named. Now that got cumbersome, so they threw in vowels and now it became Yahweh. Right. But that was a perversion of its purpose. Right, right. You know, Um, they wanted you to struggle with the one who can't be named. Right. Is my God. And is that because, is that referencing a God who doesn't have a face? Like who doesn't exist like in a specific personal way that has qualities? Or is it just that like God, is it like the, like the Wizard of Oz? Like Wizard of Oz exists. We just don't know what he looks like yet. Yeah, unlike The Wizard of Oz, The Wizard of Oz was a fake presentation of a smaller thing. Right. This was a a human interpretation of a bigger thing. It was acknowledging that as a human, I am incapable of conceiving all that God is. Yeah. And yet... As in the Israelites, they also called it our God. Yeah. You know, they felt the personal relationship, at least the corporate relationship. David more introduced the personal relationship, you know, in the Psalms, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but um, before it was the God of Abraham, Jacob, you know, Isaac, Jacob, you know, et cetera, the God of the promise, the God of the mountain. But those were all human attempts to give credence to the fact that this one who is so big that I can't even conceive it is also a personal God who is my shepherd. Yeah. You know? Um, so they they did carry both of those, and and out of the out of that came the Christian understanding, and I think it's the Gospel of John who tries to put that into words literally. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and he set up the Word almost as 
Yahweh as Y-H-W-H. You know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and it was God. And out of everything that everything that was made was made out of the Word. You know, that that's big. That's, you know, but then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, so the Christian perspective comes from that, that at the beginning, there is this creative force that is so much bigger than any of us can understand. And yet everything that's made understands it because it came from it. Yeah. But then part of its desire was not to be in it. Right. Um, but also had that desire to be in relationship. Right. So that's a question of whether that was our attempt to anthropomorphize. Right. Or whether that was a real quality of the one who can't be named. Right, right, right. You know, and, and Christianity, and I believe Jewish faith, would say that the one who can't be named created all of this because as, as an expression of community. Because community is a part of, of who the one who can't be named is. Right, right. You know, relationship right. is important. Right. That's deeply rooted in, in bhakti yoga, too. Like, yeah. the loving exchanges. You can't go back to heaven, in quotes, without having loving exchanges with those around you. It's impossible. Right. Like, right. like that thing, like that... Uh, we're just walking each other home, right? Right. Awesome. And, do it alone. And, and I think you can't look at nature right. without seeing that. In the idea that we breathe carbon dioxide, right. the trees take it in and breathe out oxygen. Right, right. You know? Yeah, um, yeah it's all relational. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then why wouldn't we also have that relationship with God? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that, you know, gets back to the point that when I'm doing theological gymnastics with people, and that's what I call it, because I do believe the, the other ancient Jewish thought that as soon as you name God, you've committed um, blasphemy. Yeah. Because as soon as you put a name on God with our language, you limited God, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So so I play gymnastics with people as we do these thoughts, you right. know? But if, if there is a God, if there is a source, if there is a, a, a pattern, a divine spark, if there is that, that is so much bigger than any of us can comprehend, 
then obviously that thing is big enough to also reveal itself as a personality. Right. Right. You know? Right. Right. Which, of course, like for, I think, an uh, atheist, like that's such an annoying answer. Right. Like, like one of the teachers from the Bhakti Yoga tradition, like they asked him that old question, like, can God create a rock that is too heavy for God to lift? And he said, yeah, God would create it and then he would lift it. (laughs) (laughs) And and I would love that teacher. (laughs) But like for a logical, like, right maybe earth-based person like that's really annoying because it doesn't actually solve the problem right it doesn't actually answer but i think yeah for me like what this quote spoke to so much and what i'm totally relating to what you say because i feel that personal relationship and so then when you say it my in my heart it just confirms what you're saying yeah And so I think it's it's hard, like what you're saying with those theological gymnastics, because, you know, like what it's really a feeling, which that's what relationships are. Right. They're feelings. Right. You know? Right. Right. And then we try to strengthen that by saying, well, faith is a sense, an inner sense. That's stronger than a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But ultimately, it's not fact. Yeah, and I can't you know? prove it. But even science in this world is too big for us to comprehend. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I do under I think I understand my science friends that I do gymnastics with. Um, that say, yes, but when the answer comes, it will be fact. Right. Yeah. And as our understanding comes, it will be fact. Yeah. But if you're using our limited understanding as what is fact and what is not fact, then you're saying you're God. That you're as big as it gets. Right. right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's interesting because I'm thinking about this and how I feel so strongly about it. But I actually went through, like, a process where, you know, I I didn't feel super connected to the personal qualities of the Christian God of Jesus, which is one of three. Makes sense. (laughs) Right? Uh, but I didn't feel super connected to him, like as a teenager. And so then I really went on a journey, like into different other traditions. And then again, didn't know the words personalism and impersonalism at the time, but eventually found myself at a Buddhist meditation center living there every morning in meditation. And in those meditation sessions, in my mind, when I was supposed to be meditating on nothing, I found myself singing that song, like, surely the presence of the Lord is in his place. <laughs> That's funny. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then I eventually like, picked up a book and the book said like, you know, one of the ways that you can meditate is by reciting the names of God. And so then 
I did. I recited the different names of God that I knew, like all of them, Yahweh, Allah, all the ones that I knew at the time, you know, it's from my own background, but also from other backgrounds. Yeah. And my meditation exploded in a way that it definitely hadn't before, you know? And so then that brought me on a full circle journey back to the idea of a personal God, which is really important to me now. Yeah. But it was, it actually was an important step in that process that I really went to impersonalism, you yeah. know, and found that that really didn't work for me. Right, right. But, but did bring you out of your traditional Christian views of who God was. Right. So that you could recapture what you wanted. Right. Um, but, but the danger of a personalized God speaking as a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, the danger of a, a personalized God is that that God becomes a white Anglo-Saxon God. Right. You know, and yeah. if you read now, you know, with all the race relations stuff going on right now, you can read folks who were raised as African-Americans in this country who had a picture of a white Jesus in their church. Right, right. You know, and not even a Middle Eastern white Jesus. Right. Um, it was an Anglo-Saxon Jesus and a Mary with blonde hair and blue eyes. Right, right. You know, thank God that has changed in some places. You know, and now Jesus, you can find images of Jesus in every race, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and even that is too limited, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, but, but it's so hard to personalize God and then not create God in your own image. Right. And I think that is also like what you're describing too, is like the personalized God creates natural separation amongst us. Right. right? right. And even I remember you coming. Well, it can. Right. It doesn't have to, but yeah. it tends to. I remember even you coming once when I was in the ashram in Florida and we were talking about Krishna when he was a little boy, like the pastimes of Krishna as a little boy. And... It was like the naughty things he did as a little boy. And you were like, but why would God do that? Right. <laughs> like, because we don't have, I mean, we have one story of Jesus, like not following his parents. Right. But then they right. find him in, in the temple. Right. He wasn't right. naughty. Like, right. The right, thing, right. But like these childhood pastimes of Krishna being a naughty little boy, that's a really important aspect of his personality. But for someone who is raised like in a Christian from a Christian background, why would God be like a naughty little boy? That doesn't make any sense, right? You know. So I think that's also like when we start to get into the personalism of God, it can also be confusing because we can kind of naturally reject it just because it's foreign or it's not fitting to us. Which again is then right. Like that's what happened to me with Jesus, right? And now right. I feel 180 degree different about Jesus. I could have just stayed with Jesus from the beginning. You know? <laughs> like I'm super into Jesus, yeah. and I 
I didn't have to leave. Like I totally connect with Jesus and Jesus would be more than enough for me if I hadn't already been exposed to these other personal characteristics of God. But then it becomes like, if I'm so connected personally to God, which person am I talking to? Right. Because now in my life, I have multiple different personal gods. But yet I don't believe in many gods. I only believe in one. So it's like it becomes very messy. And I think from the outside looks like illogical. But that isn't that the creation of the Pantheon. Is yeah, that what, is that the word I'm thinking of? You know, the creation of the gods of of you know Greece or Rome or you know of of many other ancient traditions is they had many gods because they related to many different aspects of who God is. Right. You know. Um, and they didn't mind it being messy. Yeah. But I wonder, it, but it wasn't that polytheism because I don't believe in multiple gods. I don't either. And I, you know, it's hard because anytime we talk about comparing and contrasting religions, I, I remember my professor who shared with us that when you are talking with somebody from another faith, you cannot you cannot share something that is not true to their faith or something that is not true to your faith. So I personally don't believe in many gods. Yeah. I believe there is one God. Right. But I do believe that that God, who I'm using my English language to speak about, and so am already committing blasphemy, um, but that God is so big that that God has different ways to relate to everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we have a tendency when that happens, to say, God spoke to me, God touched me, God revealed God's self to me, and this is who God is. Right, right. You know, the truth is, this is who God revealed God's self to you. Right, right. You know, and and the old, I believe it's the Hindu um, parable about touching different parts of the elephant. Yeah. You know, it's when we share the different revelations of who God is to us that we see more of God. Yeah. Yeah. So in the Christian phrase, where two or three of us are gathered in God's name, their God is present with us. Right. Right. You know, more than when I'm meditating on my own. Yeah. God's very present with me. But when I'm with you and Janardin and and someone else, then God is more present. Right. Right. 
because sure. I'm seeing your revelations. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So no, that and that to me is is that that makes sense to me if God is relational. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly what we're saying. Like we need each other. We're walking each other home, right? Right. And exactly. This, and so it goes with that impersonal idea that God is too big to be defined in one personality. Yeah. It's like God is too big to be understood by one person. So we yeah. need each other to have like a full picture of God. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. while I was while you're talking, it made me think of there's like a Sanskrit phrase, achinta beta beta tattva, which means simultaneously one and different. Yeah. Good. And it speaks to that like that triune nature of god and christianity which is so confusing to explain right right Right. how is god three and one yet that's like a hugely central aspect of christianity but like 33 years into christianity myself i still don't know how to explain that yeah you know and so i think that like yeah that sanskrit phrase like simultaneously one and different that's definitely the experience i have in faith yeah yeah well, and it's it's foliage season here in New England, you know, um, and the beauty of the foliage is that there are so many different colors. Yeah. Things aren't just green. Yeah. You know, God isn't just one. Yeah. You know, nature has done something that has caused the individuality of each leaf to come forth. Yeah. And we mark it as beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same nature. Yeah. But there's way different expressions and we say it's beautiful. Yeah. Whereas in our own personal faith gatherings, one of the dangers is we want it all to be green. Right. You know, and that green simply gets defined as what I want or yeah. what I what I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want somebody red to come in. Yeah. But it's so funny, isn't it? Because it's making me think of that. There's a phrase song right now that I just don't sing. It's just like, our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is higher than any other, right? And I, like, belt that song out. Right. Hear it on right. But I don't mean, like, better than yours. Because right. I'm also opposing side. Right. It's a question <laughs> of whether you're singing that sectarianist or whether you're singing that as a Unitarian. I mean, like, we will blast that song while we're driving. It's a great song. And we'll get to a hike, and then we will literally spend two hours chanting the names of God in Sanskrit, right? We yep. refer to an entirely different personalized yeah. God, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's just, it's a, I don't know. I don't know what, I, yeah. It's it, confusing. And I, I had a teacher once who said, like, you know, when you're bewildered, when you're confused by things about God that are seeming opposites, then it means you're on the right track. Amen. Amen. <laughs> because of what we were saying at the beginning, like, our Amen. minds can't come 
repent. So when we get to a place in our theological journey where they're seeming opposites, but they're coming together, right? like something is clicking here. But I right. think from an outside perspective, it would be like, oh, no, that's just super hypocritical. And you actually don't know what you're talking about. Right. Now. Right. To me, that's a difference of whether you're singing you know, our God, my God, the God that I know is better than the God that you know, or whether you're singing our communal God is greater. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and then, but then you've introduced when you think that you've included everybody that you can see, then somebody introduces the idea What's on the dark side of the moon? Right. You know, right. what's on the part you can't see? Right, right. Hence my reaction to your little God who causes mischief. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never seen that. Yeah. But if I take a moment to meditate on that, maybe that is what helps God relate to somebody who's mischievous. Right. Yeah, and the, I think the idea being, I think that this computes to Christianity too, but the idea in yoga being that, like, this world, this earthly world, is like the reflection of the moon in a lake. So it looks yeah. like the moon. It looks yeah. like the moon, but it's not really the moon. Right. 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 So the idea being that everything that we see here on this earthly yeah. plane is just a reflection of what actually right. happens in the spiritual world, right? So if there's relationships here, if there's mischief here, if there's then right. something of that exists in the spiritual world, even if right. it's like a distorted version here. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. And that's what the image of Paul, as he's talking about love, saying, you know, right now I see through a cloudy mirror. Exactly, exactly. I don't see, you know, my, the danger of faith is when I think I see clearly yeah. and completely. Yeah. Yeah. That, then I'm in danger. Yeah. You yeah. know, when I when I am a wanderer, when I am doing the best I can with what I do understand, knowing that I I only see a part then I am open to let God still reach out to me yeah. and yeah. speak to me. Yeah. And yeah. that can be through another person or through a leaf. And that's where my new age friends who believe in crystal, the power of the crystals, you know, are they not part of nature? Are they not something God could use if God wanted to, to, to reach out to someone? Paul does say that someday we will see clearly, but that day's not yet. We're explorers, right? Yeah, we're seekers, you know. That. Yeah, so... For this week, take a look at who God is for you and write out, chant, sing, 
the names that you know for God, the ways that God has shown God's self, revealed God's self to you. so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.